Fucking Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. We need as much money as we can. This is the Press Box. The age difference on this show. With Grady and Bischoff. I'm glad you're the one that went in on the details of how my No, come on, I'm feral. Hey, a little early around here today. We yeah. like it. We like it. A little early. ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. It's Ed. Tyler's with us. And Jared, you with us? I mean, Do I get paid I, I, overtime for this? <laughs> ah, don't make me laugh so early in the morning. It's not even 7 o'clock. <laughs> well, we normally do about two minutes of whatever the not topic is. So yeah. uh, well, this we can, we can fill right now. And then right at 7, we can start uh, yeah. whatever the main... I mean, nothing important happened last night. So what should good. we fill with? Did the Astros win? They did win. Okay. Yeah, I couldn't pull that sound. Yeah, well... Well, I couldn't sounds, pull any sound. Pull sound of the bum Gavin Lux with the throwing air giving up three. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Ed's not happy. One loss to the Diamondbacks, and it's all hey, over. One it's loss all, to the Diamondbacks is like three yeah. losses to a good team. Exactly. Drop out of first place. I don't know what they're going to do. It's already April 27th. Half game behind the Giants. The Giants are better. Why do they keep being good? I don't like this at all. I don't like this at all. They they were supposed to like fade this year, and now they're winning five straight, and they're good again. I, Jock Peterson's got like fourteen home runs. And it's April twenty seventh. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, did you see Dave Cobble yesterday? Uh, was he in town? Friend of the no. show. <laughs> no. So the president of the Oakland A's was fighting people on Twitter yesterday. Oh, good lord! Oh, no. And like, first off, he agreed to do a like televised debate with a radio host in the bay area and then i'm not sure and then he started tweeting about the san francisco giants not having a sellout last night and was wondering if the media was going to make fun of the giants the way they make fun of the a's but the giants had like thirty thousand people at their game last night Takeaway is zero, Dave, and that's how much you get. Barely. Uh, barely. Like, barely. He was like, people, I, I could not figure it out. He sent like seven tweets about this, about how is anybody going to call out the Giants for not having a sellout? And it's like, dude, yeah, they've got some empty seats, but they've got 30,000 people there. You have 2,000 people at your games. Do we really want this guy coming to Las No! <laughs> I mean, yes. because Friend of the show. He'll, he'll probably give us lots of content, but... Probably not. Oh, man. we It would be great if we had a baseball team and every day we basically did a 30-second segment of announced attendance. And uh, what do you think the actual attendance was? Probably <laughs> oh, about a third of that? Announced is the great. The only team in town that I think announced is close to is the Golden Knights. Like I, I actually think the Golden Knights are pretty pretty solid on eighteen thousand whatever each game, uh, but uh, teams to be named later uh, with the announced attendance are laughable sometimes. They're just laughable. Not as laughable as Dave Cobble tweeting. It's no, sad not how as laughable few as fans a... are at the no. game. Maybe the local media can look into the San Francisco no. Giants marketing, ask some questions, get to the bottom of what is going on. That was Dave Cobble. That's what he's. That's one of his friend of the yesterday. show. Yeah. Wow. When right. they had 30,000 people there. The first bite. The first bite 
is brought to you by the Cofield and Company podcast, available mm. on Stitcher, Spotify, and iTunes. Who is to blame for last night's loss to the Stars? Well, I don't think it's Logan Thompson, my friend. <laughs> I'm just doing his level best. I'm going to leave it there. I don't think it's Logan Thompson. I've got the uh, first. I've got this stat for you. Logan Thompson is the only goalie in NHL history with a save percentage in the shootout of 800 or better to not have a win in a shootout. There are 26 goalies that have a shootout save percentage of 800 or better. Logan Thompson is the only one of those 26 without a win. Uh, the and that blame... poor kid is crushed. Two games yeah, in oh. a row falling on the ice. Just <laughs> crushed this poor kid. I mean, he had or was given like an opportunity to be like, hey, you're, you're the goalie now of a team trying to make it to the playoffs. And he's played pretty well two games in a row, and they haven't backed him up to actually win the games. Like, that's been relatively pathetic on everybody else's part. Logan Thompson could have had a sort of magical end of the regular season here. But here's where the blame falls. Jack Eichel missed a shootout attempt. Shea Theodore missed a shootout attempt. Nick Waugh missed a shootout attempt. Chandler Stevenson missed a shootout attempt. Jonathan Marcheseau missed a shootout attempt. Evgeny Dodonov missed a shootout attempt. William Carlson missed a shootout attempt. Seven guys had a chance to score a goal last night during the shootout. Three of those guys had a chance to walk off as winners. If they had scored, it was over right then. All seven missed. That is unbelievably pathetic. They have had back-to-back games, their playoffs, their season on the line, their chance to go to the playoffs on the line, go to shootouts, and they are a combined 0 for 10 in those two games at converting shootout attempts. That's why they lost last night. It doesn't matter how well they played in the first three periods. That's the biggest problem for the Golden Knights last night is that they were 0 for 7 on shootouts. They had a rookie goalie stopped the first six shootout attempts he saw, and they could not win because some of the highest-paid players on the team could not finish a shootout, a shootout attempt. I'm surprised more at any of these guys as Shea Theodore because he had gotten into kind of mode with shootouts that he was really good with some uh, nifty moves, and he hasn't been, a, he hasn't been able to do it uh, two games in a row. And also, maybe not surprised because, you know, he's somewhat new to the team this year, but Jack Eichel, Jack Eichel supposed to be the star. Yeah, he's supposed to be the guy, the man, the guy everyone wanted to get to get here. And Jack Eichel hasn't been able to do anything in these shootouts. Has he been a disappointment overall? Mm. Twenty-two points in thirty-two games. You know, I don't know. I, I don't like to hold it against someone who had a surgery no one's had in the history of the game. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of like you know when you when you start the sentence that way. I don't know if you can say he's a disappointment. Um, but I think people expected more of him, even with the surgery, than he than he's had. Um, so I, I can't say disappointment. I'm not going to say that, given the surgery he had and what he had to come back from. I just think people expect. And, and here's the thing: maybe people expected too much of him, not thinking of the surgery. So Jack Eichel is about to have. We'll see what happens in these last two games, but he's probably going to have his lowest points per game. Uh, since his rookie season. 22 points in 32 games is just under .7 points per game. This is a guy who's been right around since his rookie year, about a point per game, if not better, most seasons. He's at .7. So it's been one of his least productive seasons ever. And more specifically, in the last five games, the Golden Knights have lost four times. In the last five games, Jack Eichel does not have a goal, and he did pick up one assist last night. 
and miss two shootout attempts. Had two shootout attempts, and if he scores either one of them, the Golden Knights win either Sunday or last night in the shootout. Here, to me, is the big question, because you say you bring up the surgery, and that's perfectly fair, right? He's, he, he missed more than like a year of hockey. He's coming back. Like I don't think there's an expectation that Jack Eichel's going to be the top three player in the league or anything like that. But he's making $10 million against the salary cap, and he's making $10 million against the salary cap for four more seasons after this one. The Golden Knights got rid of good players. Alex Tuck is no longer on this team because they wanted Jack Eichel. The Golden Knights put themselves into salary cap hell again because they wanted Jack Eichel. Hell, you can point back to Robin Leonard had to wait two days to get surgery because they had to get Jack Eichel. He better be awesome next year. Yeah, he and better I be a don't star. know. And should we expect that? Well, like what we saw this year was not a superstar. He's a no. fine player, but it's not a $10 million a year you put your team into cap hell. I'm not going to say he can't be. I mean, that, that would be months and months again um, removed from the surgery, and maybe he gets it back next year. I mean, he was one of the, when he went down, he's one of the best players in the world, and he hasn't been that since he came off the surgery. But I'm not going to say he can't be. They need him to be if they're going to pay him that much money. I'll leave it at that. I mean, if he's yeah. not, then. You know, if if he doesn't ever become Jack Eichel that he was, then this was a bad move to pay him that much. Oh yeah, and a hundred percent. I think that's sort of the fear when you look into the future for the Golden Knights. Are you getting Jack Eichel the superstar, or are you getting Jack Eichel? Yeah, he's a good player. Because yeah, he's a good player is not good enough. That's not going to be good enough because this team, we've seen it this year, and it's going to be again next year. They're so top heavy when it comes to salaries that the bottom of this roster is usually not going to be very good. They're going to need terrific performances from guys that don't get paid a lot of money. They got it from Logan Thompson this year, and it still wasn't enough. So they their best players have to be really good. Jack Eichel and Mark Stone have to be like the two best players on the ice in like 75% of the games they play. And they've both come back from injuries this year. Neither one has been that this season. I'm also not sure all the top end guys will be here next year. Yes, presumably there's there's a there's a chance somebody's gone, right? Like it would make probably a lot of sense to move Max Pacioretty yeah, out Pacioretty to clear would be a bunch the guy. of cap space. Yeah. Because you know, he makes 7 million dollars. The goal scoring has he hasn't been good enough as a goal scorer to sort of justify that in a sense for the last for the basically every postseason that he's been here and then for this season even though there were injuries worked in there as well the other part of this is william carlson yeah down Uh, year this is a guy who is under contract until the end of the 2026 2027 season so we're talking uh what is that five more seasons after this one four yeah five more seasons after this one 33 points in 64 games, far and away his worst season as a Golden Knight, only 11 goals. And if we're diving in on last night's game, he, A, missed a shootout attempt that would have extended the game. He took the last one. But also, he had two big scoring chances late in the third period that if he scores, the Golden Knights take the lead with whatever, under five minutes to go. And maybe they don't hold on and win, but they've got the lead. They probably hold on and win. And he missed on both. He doesn't have the $10 million contract. It's 5.9, so it's not as big of a deal if he's not a superstar. But if William Carlson's going to be a average center, right? If he's just going to be an average offensive center for the next five or six years, that's also a brutal contract well, for the Golden Knights that's going to hurt them. And he's gone down since that first year. 
Yes. And, yeah, and oh. who's the real William Carlson? Was it the first year where he just kind of had this magical run, this magical year, and like they all did, by, let's be honest, they all did go to the Stanley Cup final. But are we seeing really the real William Carlson now? Because I that am, first year was way above what he had done. Yeah. I am fascinated to see what the front office decides because there are a lot of guys that this year, and listen, you can blame the injuries or whatever, but there are a lot of guys this year that underperformed even when they were on the ice, not just from a standpoint of them not being available, but when they were on the ice, they underperformed. And if you're the Golden Knights, do you go into the offseason thinking, okay, that was just a weird year. Jack Eichel, Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, William Carlson, all these guys are going to be fine. They're going to be who we thought they were 12 months ago. Or do you go into this offseason and have real worries about some of these players and try to move on from them? Because if they're all fine, right? If all these guys that had injury riddled seasons and then down years with point production if they all come back to who they thought they were 12 months ago the golden knights are stanley cup contenders i mean they'll have to move somebody out most likely but they're stanley cup contenders but if william Car- if this is william carlson 11 goals in 65 games if jack eichel's not a point per game type of player if mark stone doesn't have a big impact especially in big moments then this team is going to be battling for a yeah. playoff spot again next year if that's who these players are now. Of all those players, I'd worry most about William Carlson. Of about him not being, about him simply being yeah, like an simply 11 being or this is who he is. Score. Yeah, I, I think that's a More real so possibility. More so than Pacioretty, Stone, Eichel. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, a real possibility. And here's the other part, the other bad part for the Golden Knights. If these guys are have declined already, their their title window sh- shrank in a hurry yeah. because this yeah. the, the top the best players on this team aren't young but they're not exactly old like William Carlson's 20 we're talking about guys that are in their late 20s early 30s so it's not a young team by any means but it's still not old you're not talking about guys that are 35 37, and 6, 36 right that are carrying the team but if all of a sudden if if Mark Stone right if if we're talking about he's on a downturn now when he's 29 and next year he'll be 30. If we're talking about that with, you know, Carlson, who's the same age, Jonathan Marshall's 31. That means their title window, which should have had a couple more years, that could have dried up very quickly because these guys got hurt when they were 29, 30 years old, and maybe they never get back to who they were before. Well, there's a good chance of that. And I, I, I'll go back to my original thought. I think if anyone's moved, and the name we keep hearing is uh, Pat Trady, they're obviously letting Riley Smith walk. Yeah, they they have to. They have because to. They're over the. I mean, they're over the salary cap. cap. They the can't moment. come back to him with five more million a year or whatever. I think he makes five million a year, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, he does right he now. Makes five yeah. million a year, so they're going to let him walk, uh, which they have to. And I'd keep my eye on Pacioretty. That's the name for whatever reason keeps coming up as a guy they could move in the offseason. Seven million dollars. Did you think Yuri Patera was coming into the game in overtime when uh, Nemestikov <laughs> took out Logan <laughs> no. Thompson? I thought they were going to do everything in the world to keep Logan Thompson in that game. You're okay. Get up. You're okay. He, he, Nemestikov barrels into uh, Logan Thompson. And Thompson, b- before he's even like fully down on the ground, was reaching back for his leg. Like he was all, like he was immediately reaching for his leg. So I, when I saw the replay of that, I was like, oh, he might actually be done. Like yeah. Yuri Patera might actually be coming into this game. But Logan Thompson stayed in and and then was great in the shootout. So apparently it was an issue. I am I am curious to see if there's anything that lingers from that. Like is, yeah, well, is how Logan is, Thompson how is he when he tonight? woke up this morning? Right. <laughs> because 
that could it looked it he was down for long enough that you had to be concerned about it so i'm curious if he's just fine or if there's an actual issue and he just pushed through it last night on adrenaline and now it might be a bigger issue today like can you imagine yuri patera in the game that could eliminate the golden knights from the postseason it's yuri well patera i mean in that considered what happened with Leonard, i think logan thompson is <laughs> playing tonight <laughs> Well, if he's got to have surgery, they'll make him wait two days yes. anyways. Listen, we've got cap problems. We've already got Yuri up. we got to bring Millsy in to back him up. you got to go. <laughs> All right, coming up next, we'll jump into the NBA because somehow the Grizzlies pulled off a come-from-behind win to take a 3-2 series lead. Tyler, three ball, deep from the right arch. Mercy, he snapped that net. Lowry with the rebound and the push. Leaves it for Hero. Three ball from the X and FTX Arena, the far side. Logo marked the spot, knocking it down for three. Ball got tipped, but did get to Tyler Hero, who elevates. Three ball, splash, embrace this man. His offensive game has no rival among reserves, and he's scoring like an elite scorer in this league for the last little while. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. I can be your hero, baby. Should I just let you sing? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. No, I don't think so. The Grizzlies got to come from behind win over the Timberwolves last night, and it was a terrific end of the game. Anthony Edwards hit a game-tying three with four seconds left. John Moran hit a game-winning layup with one second left, and now the Grizzlies lead 3-2 to two and just need to win the last two to advance to the second round. But what was better, Ed, John Moran's dunk or his game-winning layup? I'm just watching this right now. I know the layup means more, but the dunk was absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> the dunk was absolutely ridiculous. He kind of went up uh, the defender's side of his body and just went right straight over him. Uh, amazing dunk. So I like the uh, layup at the end, the extension at the end, but man, that dunk was something. The incredible part about the dunk is that he gets a ball screen and just blows past both defenders of the ball screen. Yes. The guy that he dunks on is the third defender in the play. Like the, the Grizzlies tried to, or excuse me, the Wolves tried to use three guys to defend a John Morant ball screen and he just dunked it anyways. That's insanity. Like, it's ridiculous, and it's one of the most impressive dunks that we've seen. The second defender had no chance. He's about six feet away with his <laughs> with his arms spread out like, uh-oh, there he goes. I mean, that was just – it was – I'm trying to see who it is, but it was just – it was a amazing, amazing dunk. Like I said, the obviously the layup meant more because um, it won the game, but I thought the dunk was more special. What did you think? I thought the dunk was just amazing. Yeah, the, the, I think the dunk is a better play because – Here's here's the thing with his game-winning layup. I don't understand what Anthony Edwards was doing because John Morant comes off a screen in a tie game with like four seconds left. And Anthony Edwards, for some reason, is trailing behind him yes. and then tries to steal the pass while behind yes. John Morant. This is not Steph Curry, who you have to be afraid of shooting threes, right? John Morant's best part of his game is getting into the paint, getting to the rim, and finishing. And Anthony Edwards defended that. Like, A, he was trying to get a steal, and B, like John Morant might take a step back three in that yeah, scenario like and Steph just, just conceded the lane. And I can't figure out, like, that is defending very poorly 
to the scouting report. That is not do that is giving John Morant what he's best at while taking away what he's worst at as an offensive player. And that that was very bizarre to me to see Anthony Edwards defend John Morant coming off those screens like that. Because if John Morant had his way, he's gonna drive down the lane and attempt the layup. Like if you gave him an option of what he's gonna do to win the game in that scenario, that's what he'd choose. And Anthony Edwards sort of just handed him that decision. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, I don't think, I don't know how well get, played game it was, but the last minute was pretty cool. The the drop for McLaughlin to find Anthony Edwards, and Anthony Edwards hitting that three in the corner oh. with four seconds left. What a shot that was. It I mean, was, what a shot that was. It was a terrific sort of ugly game, bad game. Like, I don't think the, the Grizzlies didn't exactly play well yesterday. No, I, I think mean, they were down 20. Yeah, like, it was, it was not a good. 25% from three. Dylan Brooks was three of 18. John Morant was he, John Morant, I think scored like 13 points in the last like four right. minutes or something, but he was still only nine of uh, 22. Like he was not good until the last couple of minutes. So like, it wasn't like the Grizzlies won a game while playing pretty poorly yes. for most of it. And so it it's, we do this quite a bit with sports teams, but basically it could be a good thing because, Hey, you still won while playing poorly and surely you're going to play better. Or it could be a bad thing because, hey, you played poorly and there's a reason you played poorly and you might not be able to fix it. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, now they go to Minnesota, right? Uh, so they have to yeah. be weary of people running onto the court and hitting them in the head. <laughs> uh, but, you know, they, they'll try to close it out in Minnesota. I, I'm more apt to say that they'll use the reasoning they didn't play well and still won and they'll go and play better in Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, that's what I would do. That's what I'd be pumping out there. Um, the other Eastern Conference, or an Eastern Conference series last night, Heat eliminated the Hawks in five. Um, a gentleman's sweep. A gentleman's sweep when you give them game uh, four. Oh, okay. You got to go up 3-0 and then lose so that they don't get swept and then close it out. Gentleman's sweep is not just any five-game series. You got to give them game four. So a you- couple questions on this. Trey Young. 15 points per game yeah. in the series and shot 18% from three. That, that was that was what I was going to say. Was it more Trey Young or was it more Miami? I mean, I think Miami deserves a ton of credit for this, but Trey Young and the Hawks went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Trey Young was excellent in the postseason. Yes. If the Hawks and, and Trey Young are ever going to win anything, he's going to have to be able to be a really good, really productive player against a team like Miami. And for him to be that bad, that wasn't 15 points per game and 18% from three. That's not a down series. That's horrible. That's terrible series. So, like, he's, even if you give Miami credit, I still think there's legitimate concern about Trey Young and the matter of, okay, um, is he going to do that every time they play a good team in the postseason? Or is he even, you know, he's needing to shoot 48% from three when they play a good team in the postseason, not 18%. So I think there's legitimate concern there. But here's my biggest problem with with the Hawks yesterday. They they were down most of this game. They had a run in the last two minutes to get close. They get within three. Have the ball with 29 seconds left, down three. They did not take a shot until there were eight seconds left in the game. They blew 21 seconds in the final minute of this game. And the shot they took was a floater from about 12 <laughs> feet. A two-pointer. Even if it goes in, they're yeah, still just, losing. No, because you're they, fouling or whatever you're doing. just to, Right. And they're going to shoot free throws. And it did not go in. The ball went out of bounds. Atlanta got to inbound it with, like, uh, I don't know, like four seconds left or something. They inbound from under their own basket. 
and still don't get another shot off. Like, that's one of the worst 30 seconds of basketball I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, we, we do it a lot with UNLV basketball when they have a game that comes down to the end. You know, how was their final play? Was it good enough? Did the coaching staff blow it? Whatever. We do that a lot. I don't know that we've seen something as bad as that. I mean, that was horrible. If you're going to run it down that much, run someone off a screen to get a three. Right. Like, the Marvin Menzies year where they won 12 games or whatever, and every late-game scenario was Jovan Mooring just pulling up from three from, like, eight feet behind the three-point line was a better possession than whatever (laughs) the hell the Hawks tried to do last night. Every Because at least least if the Jovan Mooring shot went in, the game is tied. The Hawks didn't even get that. They, They didn't even take a chance to tie the game last night down three with it's unbelievable or if you're gonna attempt to two, you know do it in the first eight seconds right. you have the basketball and at least there's some time yeah for you're some extending the game you're trying your to way. extend the game that way but not but, letting not letting 21 seconds roll yeah off. and again miami's defense deserves credit for it like it was a very well defended possession trey young could not create any space but again if you're atlanta if you're an nba team that's expecting to just win a postseason game You've got to be able to get a three off in the final 30 yeah. seconds when you're down. 30 by seconds, exactly. Like at least attempt one. It doesn't have to be a good one necessarily because the defense might be good and you might miss it, but you've at least got to have the ability to get the three-pointer off in that scenario, and they didn't even have that. They couldn't even do that. So that was unbelievably bad. One last thing on the Heat, by the way. They won last night without Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry. I don't know if they can Ola do that Depot. against. I don't know if they can do that against the winner of uh, Boston and Milwaukee. Well, I don't know if they can do it the next round. Is Victor Oladipo was a great player for Oklahoma City. Had a couple awesome years in Indiana. Has a bad injury. Now is in Miami and is just coming off the bench there. Right, he had like forty in the regular season finale. Right. He started last night, led the team in scoring, and he's not even really a factor in why the Heat got the one seed. Like. Depth, I don't really usually believe, is the key factor to winning in the postseason, but the Heat have a lot of it. I mean, this team's pretty deep where you can sit Butler and Kyle Lowry, and oh yeah, Victor Oladipo's going for 23 tonight. Yeah. You like you like the hero kid. Oh, Jared does. He's fine. I I just like his last name because there's a lot of songs I can use as rejoins with his with his highlights. I like the fact the uh, the YouTube, I don't know if you saw it when he first, I think his first game in the league when he showed on YouTube how he spent his first million. What did he spend it on? Oh, like, you know, jewelry and cars and stuff. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but he, went, went, he went through the entire thing, and every time he spent something, the, the, the YouTube took money away to show you where he was, and uh, I think he got a house or something. I, I don't know. He spent a lot of money. And then Duncan Robinson, they were like, how'd you spend your first million? And he went, I put it in a Roth. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up next is the Darren Waller trade rumor already dead. The Press Box, Path to the Draft, here on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM, is brought to you by the iconic Sahara Las Vegas. The NFL Draft is just a day away here in Las Vegas. The Raiders not going to pick until round three, but we've had a little bit of intrigue this week because the one of the few players on the roster that they could conceivably trade away to get into the first round or at least the second round is Darren Waller and we've had some reports about the Packers being interested in acquiring Darren Waller but Jeremy Fowler tweeted yesterday got a firm zero chance Darren Waller is traded from a source 
teams certainly would like to acquire a top tight end on a good contract, but Raiders have no plans to acquiesce. Um, so here's my question. When when there, when there we hear zero chance, and Der- Derek Carr tweeted yesterday, no chance, does that mean Darren Waller's untouchable, or does that mean the Raiders simply haven't gotten the offer that they would accept to move Waller? LOL, no chance from the back, LOL. Uh, I... Maybe they haven't gotten the offer that they were supposed to, or that they thought they they thought they could. We talked about it yesterday. I think we both agreed that a one would be enough if you get into the first round for him. But again, they got Devontae Adams. They re-signed Carr. Maybe Josh McDaniels thinks you know they're going for it and they're here to win now. And if they're here to win now and going for it, they can't take away a weapon like uh, like Darren Waller, and they'll deal with the contract later. Now, they might have to d- deal with it sooner than later if he would hold out, and then you're getting into yourself a situation that you know you probably didn't plan for, but. I mean, I'm. There's a lot of sources. I know Vinny had the sources as well that there's zero chance, and I think that's probably coming from the same people. So I'm more apt to believe that there's zero chance that they're going to trade him. Yeah, I just. It's just to me when you hear zero chance, that just jumps off as though well, there can't be zero chance, right? If well, if somebody no, someone goes, hey, no, that's bad management. <laughs> I mean, right? Yeah, you're going to give back what you got for Devontae. You get your one and two back. Really, it's zero. You wouldn't even consider that, right? You would. Add, Listen, if we found out that they turned down a first and a second round pick for Darren Waller, Mark Davis should probably fire McDaniels and Ziggler <laughs> on the spot. Right. Like, I mean, so it can't be zero chance. I think what when I saw that, my thought was, okay, they haven't gotten whatever they deem enough for Darren Waller. Right. Like, so it could be as simple as, hey, the Packers called and they said, What do you think about a second round pick for Darren Waller? And the Raiders said, yeah, no, no chance. That's zero chance. Right. Or maybe they said, well, what about one of those first? You can just give us back our first round pick. And the Packers said, eh, that's too much. And they said, okay, well, we're not moving them. That, to me, has to be the more realistic scenario. And again, the draft is tomorrow. I highly doubt Darren Waller gets traded. But if somebody did call and say, huh, that Darren Waller guy might be available, well, we'd rather give up a first round pick because we hate all of these guys in the first round of the draft, then the Raiders should absolutely listen to that because a first round pick for Darren Waller is probably worth it simply based on like we've talked about the contract and Darren Waller's age and his age. Yeah. He'll be 30 in September. Right. If it doesn't happen this off season, which it still could next off season, Darren Waller's probably getting a new contract. And this is going to be a conversation next year. If he doesn't get one this off season, it's probably going to be in the best interest of the Raiders to not pay Darren Waller because he's going to be a 30 year old tight end, 31 year old tight end, and his best years are probably behind yeah. him. So it's a legitimate conversation, but it's probably a more legitimate conversation next year. The problem is you do run the risk of what happens if Darren Waller's not as good this year. Well, if he's not as good, then your second becomes, what, a fourth? Right, and you might not even trade him you at that even, point. Yeah, you might, you might just not say, even give up on him. Yeah, we're going to hold on to you and, and see what happens here. So it's uh, it's uh, I highly doubt he gets traded, but it would be fun. And I wish we still could uh, – I wish people weren't saying zero chance. Then we could at least talk it up a little bit more going into the first round. But now we still just have to wait till round three when they pick somebody that nobody's ever heard of. <laughs> It'll be fun. Take 86, um, 86 beers. 86 yeah. beers. So, hey, I'll be out at the uh, Virgin Hotels there. Las Vegas Those tomorrow from 12 to noon. And they're going to have – or 12 to noon. 12 to 2. Yeah. They're going to have 86-cent draft right. beers before the Raiders pick at number 86 overall. Uh, overall on the draft, Trayvon Walker has become the betting favorite to be the number one overall pick in the draft. Uh, apparently, at some a couple months ago, he was like 35 to 1, according to the story on ESPN. He's kind of shot up a little bit out of nowhere. 
But Trevon Walker had nine sacks in three seasons at Georgia. Not nine last year, nine and three total seasons at Georgia. And now he's going as an edge rusher, potentially number one overall. Is like, I've kind of, we've kind of talked this a little bit, but like, either one of us are going to be like prospect experts. Is this going to be like the worst draft of I all mean, time? I was going to say, if he's number one overall, then what does that say about the, the, now there isn't a one overall quarterback. And if there was, that, that guy would probably go or someone would have traded in to get him. So, you have to say that, that the quarterbacks aren't, you know, as we hear what they're going to be next year, what they've been in past years. So if there's no quarterback there, I get, you know, you maybe have to take a chance on someone. But if this is the number one pick in your entire draft, it has a chance to be a really bad draft. This this is Cleland Furl is the number one overall yep. pick. This is a, a defensive end. And hell, Cleland Furl, I think, had significantly better stats than Trevon Walker. But this is a it's a it's a defensive end. From a really good defensive team, Georgia this year, Clemson when Cleveland Furrow was there, who didn't have great numbers going number one overall because I, but this time, at least Cleveland Furrow, it was fourth overall. Right. And you could kind of argue he was the best 4-3 defensive end that was left at that point, even though they should have just waited on him. I mean, what's up with Kayvon Thibodeau, Aiden Hutchinson? Like, how have we had like three yeah. or four different defensive ends be the number one presumed pick in like the span of three months. Can I give you a hot take? Yes. From things I've heard from people I trust. Uh Oh, okay. Yes. Kayvon Thibodeau will be the second pick. Okay. So Aiden Hutchinson there's a, there's a, is there's a hot take from people I trust in the business, in the business, in the business. Look at you look yes. at these, look at these uh, sources. <laughs> so, on the press box the, zero Brady. chance. I have sources. It's just people I trust. with many. So the, the Detroit business. Lions are going to take yes, Kayvon, Kayvon Thibodeau. Thibodeau. That's okay. my hot take for the day. For right. a hot so, take for a bad draft. Because So here's what, I, I don't know if this is the consensus, but the, the general thought I've got from listening and reading other people who actually pay attention and do a lot more work on the prospects of a draft, it appears as though the top of the draft sucks and the quarterbacks suck, but there's probably a lot of depth in the draft. That there's probably a lot of guys that are going to go between whatever, 10 and 40 or 10 and 50 that end up being good NFL players. We just, it, like, there there might be no superstars from this draft, I guess, is the end of the day. Because the quarterbacks might not be any good. The best defensive end might be a guy who had nine sacks in college. Like, it's there just might not be superstars. But there might be plenty of depth and plenty of good players later in the draft. Can't you can't you give Raiders fans a little bit of hope and say 10 to 90? <laughs> 10 to 90. The Raiders are coming in at 86. <laughs> And the, listen, there's the going to be an offensive lineman there. No one yeah. knows about the guy picked at 86 is going to be just as good as the guy picked at number one overall. Listen, if, <laughs> if the Raiders draft a defensive end at any point in this draft, he probably will have had more college sacks than the yes. guy that might go number one. Nine like, and three years. The Raiders fullback Sutton Smith last year had more sacks than the guy that's going <laughs> to go number one overall. Hey, isn't he the hey. he's the fullback this listen, year too? Listen, stop that. We're trying to get him on the show. No, he, no, he's he's not the fullback. The, the they brought in a guy from New England. <laughs> I thought they signed Sutton Smith to a two year deal. <laughs> Mike Mayock did that, and then oh, Mike Mayock yeah. got fired. Yeah, and you so got to get rid of that guy. He's probably he's probably st I'd have to double check. He's probably still on the roster, but highly unlikely he makes the actual team. We can get him. Yeah, well, and then we can actually get him on the show. <laughs> we can get That'd him on the show. Good job. We will be able to pull it out. I can't remember who's who's the fullback they signed. I can't even remember now. They signed Hold another on. fullback. Are you <laughs> going to find on. it? And his typing. I'm looking it up. <laughs> Hold on. 
I don't think you're going to find it. Jacob There's Johnson. Sutton. Jacob Johnson. That's yes. a creative player. Sutton Smith is a guy we can get on. He's a backup fullback. He'll never play. We can get that guy. On. I I can't even get the backup fullback for the Browns on, and he went to UNLV. <laughs> the guy we're never getting is the punter because he's way too good now. Which, uh, yeah, wait, they, we have no chance. On the team. AJ Cole, yeah, we have no chance. If they should him. trade him for a first round pick. He'd probably actually get it. Um, the other part of this Trayvon Walker uh, conversation, a tweet from Mina Kimes about this that she just sort of threw in a detail that I didn't know. Sacks did not become an official stat in college football until the year 2000. That seems it, too soon. What? It became an official stat in the NFL in the 80s. Yeah, that seems and too then the soon. And er, then college football waited like another decade plus Why? to do it. I, I don't Why? know. And here's the other part of it. I feel like when you when you watch sports, even when there's not necessarily a specific stat for things, and granted, there's stat for things now, but I feel like when you watch sports, there's certain moments that you know are big moments. And I feel like when you were watching football in the 60s, 70s, or 80s, if the quarterback got sacked, I feel like everybody would look around and say, that was really good, that was really cool, that was really awesome. But nobody had the thought process to say, we should track those. Okay, I can see that. Like I can see that. You can see people not yeah, deciding, see, ah, exactly. we're not going to yeah. track yeah. that. Come on, it's fun. How how do they not track I, it? I can see them debating that, but again, for two thousand, that's way too late. Given they the NFL did it in the eighties, because aren't don't you usually follow what the NFL does? Yeah, I mean, you think so, and especially when it's something as easy as you know, put a little tally mark on your piece of paper when the guy tackles the quarterback behind the line of scrimmage. Well, Trayvon Walker wish they didn't track sacks. Because he's going to be the number one pick in the overall draft, and he's got nine sacks in three years. So he's like, man, why'd you track that? Like, it's one thing if it was a hard thing to track, right? Like, like air yards. Like, we now have air yards from when the quarterbacks, how far right, the ball, how travels, far the ball the travels. I can understand why in the 80s or 90s, nobody was tracking air yards. But sacks, it's just when the guy tackles the quarterback yeah. behind the line. That's that's super easy to try. It's not even difficult to do. Anybody can do it, and it took till 2000 to do it. What, we, what are we doing in this sport? It's kind of ridiculous over here. All right. Coming up next, Bischoff's Briefs is going to jump in on some Robin Leonard discourse. But first, we've got a prize for you. Two tickets to go see the Colt. They're coming to the House of Blues on May 8th. You can buy tickets right now at Ticketmaster, or you could win a pair from us. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. We'll take caller number six at 702-364-1100. You'll win a pair of tickets to go see the Colt. Bischoff's Briefs. Son, I didn't understand a word you just said. Bischoff's Briefs. Hey, thanks. That is not a compliment. Ah, I disagree. Bischoff's Briefs. Okay, well, that was just a list of complete nonsense, but you're not totally wrong. Bischoff's Briefs. Um, I was going to talk about Robin Leonard here, but I'm going to change with Bischoff's Briefs. Oh, you're so. changing it? Oh, yeah, man, I was yeah. excited for the McKenna tweet. We'll we'll get to Robin Leonard and Mike McKenna later. It's or or tomorrow or something. It's a it's a good story, but we'll we'll get to it because we what do we got? Like five minutes left here. We need we need more time on Robin Leonard than what we have here. So I'm going to change Bischoff's brief today. All right. Did you see yesterday the Yankees letter that was released, Ed? The Yankees letter? Oh, you don't even know what it's about. Do I you? have no clue. I know the Dodgers okay. lost. Okay. <laughs> 
I have no clue. No clue what you're talking Ed about. does not like baseball. He likes the Dodgers. <laughs> Nothing else in that sport matters except for the Dodgers. Okay. So there was a letter from 2017 that Rob Mann wrote to the Yankees. And this letter was used in court during a lawsuit, that, but it had been sealed. It was not made public. The letter was finally made public yesterday. And in that letter, Major League Baseball found that back in 2017, we knew this part of it, back in 2017, the Red Sox and the Yankees accused each other of elect- using technology to steal signs. The Red Sox, we know, were using the replay room to steal the catcher's sign and then use an Apple Watch to tell the dugout and then tell the runners on second. The Yankees were found, according to this letter, to be doing basically the same exact thing minus the Apple Watch. They used the dugout phone to relay this, and then they relayed them in person, apparently. They didn't really go into details here. But part of what it wrote, the Yankees were able to provide real-time information to their players regarding an opposing club's sign sequence, the same objective of the Red Sox scheme that was the subject of the Yankees' complaint. So first point here in Bischoff's briefs is I find it hilarious that in 2017, the Yankees and the Red Sox were both cheating and turned each other in. Yeah, you would the think Spider-Man meme. You would think you'd be like, huh, we're doing this too. Maybe we shouldn't tell on the other team that, they're hey, they're cheating as well. So I, I very much enjoy that. But what I wanted to ask you, Ed, you're the Dodgers fan here. I'm a biased Astros fan, obviously. How much do you differentiate between... Yankees, Red Sox using cameras to steal signs and then tell the runner on second versus Astros using cameras to steal signs and then tell the hitter at the plate. Trash cans. I like trash cans. I thought that was always the most original part of what the Astros were doing. Um, I mean, is is the runner on second relaying it to the hitter? Because I think it's... Yes. I, oh. Yes. Well, I mean, I think it's all cheating in, in just different ways. As, as, as long as the hitter figures out what pitch is coming and it's all done, you know, different ways. I think that's all, you know, it's all the same form of cheating, right? As long as the hitter knows what's coming, then I don't think the Astros are any, let's say bad word worse than the Yankees or the Red Sox. They're all, they're all meaning the same thing to get the hitter, the sign. What a great Dodgers fan you are now. Isn't that true though? I mean, the Astros were conceivably able to get, get the sign to the hitter more often because they didn't do it with just a runner on second, whereas the Yankees and the Red Sox could only do it with a runner on second. So conceivably, the Astros were getting the sign there more often. Uh, but in, I mean, but the reality is all three teams used cameras that they weren't supposed to use right. to steal signs and then tell the hitter. The Astros just did it more and used a trash can, which is funny. Um, but here's here's what I took away as the biggest... Uh, the most important thing from yesterday's Yankees letter that got revealed that said, hey, the Yankees did this too. Back in 2017, when these two teams accused each other of, of cheating, Major League Baseball investigated it. That's where this letter came from. This letter is from their investigation in 2017. And Major League Baseball fined both the Yankees and the Red Sox in 2017 for doing this. The problem, though, is that when Rob Manfred put out a statement why they were fining the Red Sox and the Yankees, that statement said that the Yankees were being fined for improper use of the dugout phone 
that had nothing to do with stealing signs. So in 2017, Rob Manfred lied. Oh. In 2017, the Yankees were caught cheating, and Rob Manfred said, no, they weren't stealing signs. We're just finding them because they used the dugout phone when they weren't supposed to. Wow. And that, to me, was the biggest takeaway from this. It, not that the Yankees were stealing signs with cameras like the Red Sox were and like the Astros were, and presumably more teams were, because I highly doubt just three teams no, were doing no, this. No, they just got right? caught. They yeah. Just got caught. One, had, one team had a player on their team turn them in, and the other two turned each other in yeah. while they were doing it. But Rob Manfred, after an investigation that found the Yankees were using cameras to steal signs, came out and publicly said... No, no, they were just using the dugout phone improperly, but it wasn't sign stealing. I mean, couldn't you argue that Rob Manfred lies every time he says he likes baseball? <laughs> probably, probably. But I can't figure out why the hell were the Yankees protected and not the Red Sox in that scenario? I mean, it's the Yankees, right? But against the, it's not the Yankees and like well, it's the, not the Rockies. It's not the Yankees and, well, yeah, Rockies. I, I don't know why Rob Manfred protected them and not the Red Sox. I mean, it's Rob Manfred. I, I can't explain half of the things he does. I mean, he he gives them all he gives them all headphones after you know one of the most contentious negotiations they've had, and they all show up for headphones on their on their locker, saying with a note of "Hey, we got through this. Here's a little gift." So, given what I, I don't know what he does half the time, and I don't even know like Jared said if he likes baseball. I'm just blown away that he said, "Nope, Yankees didn't cheat when they did."